As we grow up, we often look back at our lives and think about how life has changed so dramatically in the short time that we've been here. Recently, technology has changed dramatically the way we engage with one another. You know, thinking back, we have oral tradition that shifted into the written form, and then more recently, with the rise of the digital revolution, we interact primarily with one another through handheld glowing screens. At the core of it all, however, remains a constant. We have stories that relay experience so that we can grow and develop as a community. I grew up listening to my mom share birth stories with her clients over the phone. I would sit on the tile floor and read through her books on childbirth. I would hear her share stories about the wonder of helping to guide and counsel families as they brought new life into the world, their challenges and their celebrations. Each time, I'm struck by the power of this cycle of life, how each birth is the beginning of a new journey, and yet the continuation of an endless rejuvenation of human life. To share these experiences and help inspire others as I have been has been a long desire of mine. I am Alex Monroe, host of Agile Family, a podcast about pregnancy, birth, and becoming parents. From here on, you'll get to listen to my wife and I, that's Alana by the way, share our journey as first-time parents practicing respectful parenting, trust, communication, and active participation in the life of our baby James. We are joined by my mom, Jackie Monroe, doula and childbirth educator of 30 years, who shares with us her experience as we tackle the big issues that come up for new moms, dads, and families. Our community means a lot to us, so please, if you have questions or topics you'd like to hear covered, email us at theagilefamily at gmail.com. This week, we thought we'd focus on helping you get to know us better. So, to kick us off, this is our birth story. <laughs> Pregnancy felt like the final countdown. Okay, we get it. It was like the countdown to a big day, like Christmas. I had felt like labor might be starting a few times in those last two weeks. Mm -hmm. I was having more tightenings, more Braxton Hicks, and they were feeling a bit more crampy than usual. Some of them I felt like I needed to stop and take a breath. I definitely noticed a shift when we were walking home from the celebration of light. We were walking up the hill... My mom looked over at Alana. We'd started to breathe much more heavily all of a sudden. And she just had this knowing look in her eyes. The one that says, I know this. Things are getting going. And we're going to trust her because she's a professional. Then there was the great mouse battle of 2015. Dun, dun, dun. About a month before James was born, a mouse got into the house. Alana goes, is that a mouse? So I leapt out of bed and I had a broom and a shoebox on standby. I just remember jumping between the kitchen and the living room, pulling out bookcases, and there's Alana standing on the bed screaming, Get the mouse! I think it went that way! Get the mouse! I think it went that way! I, I was helping you. Yes. Yes. You I were. was in there with a shoebox as well, in my pajamas, and, and that mouse was fast. It went right between your legs, and had you not had a ginormous pregnant belly... I might have caught it. <laughs> Luckily, we were able to find his entry point and board it up so that finally our home felt safe. That was the thing about the mouse, really. I felt invaded and unsafe in my own house. For the last week of pregnancy, 
I was very obsessed with his positioning, mainly which way he was facing in the womb. He was head down, which is good, but he kept spinning around. Like a spinning top. One day I'd get feet out the front of me. The next day they'd be on my back. I was obsessed with getting him in the right position. This meant lots of time on hands and knees, trying to get him to flip around. Everyone kept telling you, oh, just, you know, spend some time washing all the floors. That's what they did in the olden days. I did not wash all the floors. <laughs> I woke up and started having contractions that were a little bit different than before. They were a lot more painful. I found myself having to stop and breathe through them for a couple minutes before they would go away. I believe that was your last day of work, actually. Right. Normally, when we would go for walks in the evenings, you'd pause and slow and take deep breaths. And I'd go, is it happening? And you'd go, yep, it's happening. Cool. You know, chill, relax. No big deal. But this time, gripping onto the back of chairs, being short of breath, having to stop everything that you're doing, I knew something was up. So I called into work and I said, hey, I think I'm going to have a baby today. Because the midwife had told us it was going to happen any time that weekend, we decided to carry on with our day and go to the grocery store. I was having contractions the whole time. I had contractions on the stairs, down to the car, at the car, in the car, in the parking lot, in the store, twice, back at the car again, back in the car, <laughs> back outside the car, and then like finally back into our apartment. And this whole time I was thinking, yeah, what's the worst that can happen, having the baby in the freezer aisle? That's so funny that you thought it was going to happen that day, because I thought it was going to go on all weekend long. When we got settled at home, I called Carolyn again and asked her what I should do. She suggested I lie down on the couch and see if the contractions got any weaker. I did this, and I had a few really mild, wimpy contractions, followed by this ginormous, huge contraction that had me in tears. I was so not prepared. I got in the shower at about 12, so it was lunchtime. And I remember asking you to bring me food. I wanted bean chips and a calzone. The great calzoni. You're saying it wrong. No, ever since I was a little kid, it was the great calzoni. I felt like I was bringing you magical food. Like it was crafted by this amazing magician, the great calzoni. It tasted magical. I wondered why I don't eat in the shower more often. This point in labor was all about relaxing and opening up getting the cervix to like really open. So I was just concentrating on breathing through each contraction and just trying to relax. Mm -hmm. Not thinking too far in the future, because that would just be terrifying. Being like, this is gonna go on for days. Yep. Yeah, I just sort of changed positions a lot and felt the warm water and really relaxed. And they kept getting more intense mm -hmm. as we went. Right around this time, I had been texting my mum, who is in Scotland, in the Outer Hebrides. We were going over things like timing the contractions and how to make sure we were notifying our caregivers at the right time, when they should come. And she was able to listen to the sounds that Lana was making in the shower. And based on that, we knew that it was important to call Carolyn back sooner rather than later. Later, she told us that based on the sounds she was hearing, she thought Alana had been about six or seven centimeters. The midwife arrived around two, and I got out of the shower and moved into the birth pool, which you had set up very nicely for me. It was too hot. It was a little hot. It was like a hot tub. 
thankfully we had all the supplies and I was able to just pump in some cold water. And then it was perfect. I was feeling the urge to push and the contractions were getting really intense. And Carolyn showed Alex where to press on my lower back and that relieved a lot of the pain. Anytime I would take it away, what would you say? Hand, 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 hand. <laughs> That's my reenactment. It's probably good to mention now that I didn't have any pain medications or interventions. I didn't even have an internal exam. I have no idea how far I dilated. Carolyn came in every once in a while, checking Alana's blood pressure and checking James's heartbeat. But other than that, I felt like they didn't intervene too much. It was left up to my body to dictate the flow of labor, which actually gave me a strange sense of control. I had this yoga instructor before named Teresa, so awesome. She had said that you just go into this animalistic state where your husband will look into your eyes and be like, that's not you anymore. This primal beast has taken over. I had like this logical check-in moment where I was like, whoa, what's going on here? My body has just taken over completely and I'm gonna let it. I just sort of made that decision. That was near the end. After a few contractions, I was like, okay, I'm done. No more, <laughs> this is exhausting. Finally, I felt him slide out, and Carolyn said, there's the head, and I thought, oh god, there's more? Thankfully, the rest of him came out much easier. It was only a couple pushes later, a little assistance from Carolyn twisting him, and he was out. Because I was on hands and knees in the pool, Carolyn was able to pass the baby through my legs, and I looked down in front of me at a little face floating up towards me. I was able to scoop him up and put him on my chest and snuggle my baby right away. I don't even know how to describe that moment. It was so magical. I don't think the word exists. That's one of those spine-tangling moments. The birth of Jamie was like day zero, a new beginning. James Robert Monroe was born at 3.15 in the pool at home. Nine pounds, six ounces. Big baby. 54 centimeters long. Long baby is long. After a few minutes of snuggling in the pool, I gave birth to the placenta. Something that I didn't know you actually had to do until well into my pregnancy. They gathered the placenta into a little silver bowl and told me it was time to make my way over to the bed so they could keep an eye on my bleeding. This is where things get a little bit gross. Because up until now, things were really clean. I mean, we went from the shower to the pool. Everything is neat and tidy. You know, birth is beautiful. And then it's disgusting, but totally amazing at the same time. It seems disgusting when you think back to it. There I am, lying on the bed, covered in sweat, juices, and with a placenta lying in a silver bowl next to me. It's amazing how it was still feeding him. Our midwives had a thing about the placenta. They inspected it to make sure that it was all intact and healthy, but it was the way they were describing it was almost like they were telling the story of James's home in Alana's womb. When I moved onto the bed, we discovered that I had a second-degree tear. I guess that's what I get for pushing them out so fast. The midwife was able to sew me up right there on my bed while I snuggled with baby James. He was a great distraction. Ridiculously cute. Eventually, the midwives were finished cleaning up, and they left us to get to know each other. Our new little family. Yay. Yay. So there you have it. That's our birth story. So Jackie, what do you think? Telling our unique birth story 
helps us to process and integrate the experience, and over time, it also helps us to understand ourselves. After attending births for almost 30 years, I can really say that every birth story is different. Some births may look the same on paper, but each story will be told differently. What you call your birth story is a reflection of your perspective of life at that point in time. So it's important to reflect on your own experience. What stands out for you can be very revealing and life-changing. Our stories may change as we change. So think of Alana's birth story. A lot of people might listen to it and say, well, I want a birth like that. They want a fast labor, thinking that a fast labor equals super easy, but it's not. It is still really hard work. As someone who watched Alana's pregnancy unfold, I see her story as a perfect example of a slow birth. Even though the climax was quite quick, the weeks of physical lead up, plus the emotional stuff that Alana was working through in the last few weeks took a lot of effort. She finally got to a place of letting go. She was supported, yet undisturbed by those around her, and was able to trust her body to go at its own pace during the birth. Other births are more complex and challenging and require a lot more outside help. But even the most challenging circumstances in birth and life might be reframed positively. Listening to and being exposed to all perspectives can help influence your own perception in an empowering way. We hope that by sharing the perspective of birth being a normal part of life, we will have a positive impact on how you perceive your own birth story. I hope you enjoyed episode one of Agile Family. If you have your own birth story that you'd like to share, we'd love for you to join the community. So check out slowbirth.com slash agile family, where you can comment on everything that we do. We thrive off your feedback, whether it be positive or constructive. Stay tuned over the coming weeks as we post episode two, where we talk about decision-making and place of birth. If you'd like to stay up to date with new episodes and topics or research and things that we just find interesting, you can follow us on Twitter at Agile Family. And of course, bookmark slowbirth.com to stay up to date on other birth stories. We're hoping for this to be a weekly thing, so stay tuned by subscribing to our podcasts on iTunes using your favorite listening device. The information and material in this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. Although thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are believed to be factually accurate, they are not intended to replace or substitute professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for the diagnosis of healthcare problems or the prescription of treatment. If you have any questions or concerns regarding the physical or mental health of you or your baby, please seek the assistance of a qualified healthcare professional.